Pastor Xavier Reese with a simple truth about being a child of God. The scriptures tell us that God knows who are His. 2 Timothy 2.19, Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands, having this seal, the Lord knows those who are His, and let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. You say, well, you worried about it? Then depart from iniquity. You'll know you're His. Abide in Him. Depart from iniquity. That's the bottom line. Feel simple. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. With over 90% of Americans claiming to be Christians, then why is our nation knee-deep in moral depravity? Pastor Xavier says the answer is simple. It's because the church no longer believes in or follows the teachings in the Word of God. Today, as he takes us back to his study of the seven churches, he brings us this warning. Let's listen. Revelation chapter 3, verse 1 through 6, and the message entitled, The Dead Church, Sardis. The Church of Sardis is a church that was not threatened by heresy, paganism, immorality. Its main problem was its danger of self-destruction. It was not depending on the Holy Spirit of God coming to a spiritual state of deadness. How dangerous it is to think that we are sufficient, that we no longer depend on the Lord. Again, the message is applicable for all times, but not only for the church during John's day. And the messages, as you know, are applicable in terms of a local church in John's day was real, a period of church history, a type of church that can exist throughout the church age, and a type of Christian. Those four applications are straight across. And the Church of Sardis, again, spiritually represents in church history uh, the Protestant Reformation from 1500 to 1750 A.D. The Word tells us that no one can be enlightened apart from the Holy Spirit of God. They had begun the Spirit, but now they were attempting to perfect themselves in the flesh. Now, the commendation comes, you have to jump down to verse 4, but it's no longer to the church. It's to the individual, the faithful one, like the last church. Notice in verse 4, there were a few names in Sardis who had not defiled their garments. They are identified as few. They are the minority, and yet they were acknowledged by Jesus. They are given emphasis by the phrase, listen, even in Sardis. The phrase focuses on their personal commitment to the Lord. In spite of how bad it was, they were faithful. Even in the midst of the dead church, there were a few who were faithful who had received and had heard in the past and continued to do so. They will walk with me, says Jesus. Walking speaks of fellowship with God. Walking speaks of oneness with God, even as Amos 3, 3 says, can two walk together except they be agreed? It's a rhetorical question. No. If we agree, then we can. But we agree with God. He does not agree with us. We are subject to his word. This is the commendation to Sardis, the individual not the church. Now notice the condemnation. We've got to jump back to verse 1. Jesus knew what they had done and were doing in the present. The word know, as you know, before is oida. It means intellectual knowledge, understanding, perception. He sees everything. The works refer to that which they had been occupied in and those that were undertaken now. Jesus knew they had a name that gave an appearance that they were alive. Look at there. Verse 1. Their works had given them a reputation among the people as being Christian. 
But the Lord was not buying it. For the Lord, who sees and knows all things, focus upon the motives and the hearts. Hebrews 4, 12 and 13. All things are open and naked to him. Nothing escapes him. Their works were not good. Their works were superficial evidence of being alive. Their church was considered Christian, but it was dying from within. This was the condemnation to Sardis. Stern. Now notice the exhortation is found in verse 2 and 3. In verse 2, the church is encouraged to be watchful and to strengthen the things that remain. Five imperatives are pronounced. They're not suggestions. They're imperative commands. The word watchful means to be wakeful or sleepless, literally to chase sleep and be constantly alert. The tense is in the present. The implication being that the church was sleeping and drowsy regarding the things of God and still remaining those things that were still a little bit alive, but they were careless over them, sleepy. They're ready to die. 23 times this word appears in the New Testament. We're to be vigilant, vigilant, watch, be careful, alert. Jesus said, watch and pray that you do not enter temptations in Matthew 26, 41. Watch you, stand fast in the faith, 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Be sober and vigilant because your adversary, the devil, as you know, is seeking whom he may devour, 1 Peter 5, 8. And there are many, many, many more. Watch, be vigilant, stand fast, pray, be sober. The church was to pay heed to the serious conditions she was under. It was not awake. It was not vigilant regarding the teachings of the scripture, its mission, and its identity with Christ. Slipping things away. So many people let things slip away. They allow their passion for their wife or their husband to slip right away. Their love for their children, the love for the Lord, slip right away. And before they know it, they can't regain it. Over and over again in the scripture, we are exhorted as well as commanded to watch. 1 Peter 4, 7, but the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. And that's where we see the clearest in prayer. As we go to God, Lord, search my heart. Lord, guide me. Lord, show me what you want. Lord, let me be in the center of your will. Lord, teach me. Now, the reason for the exhortation to Sardis to be awake and fixed firmly on these things that remain was that they were what? They were ready to die. And he had not found their, perf their works perfect before God. Before men they are, but not before God. People always look to them. Well, you know, I'm not as bad as that guy. Well, you know, I've gotten this kind of, you know, uh, acclimate and this and that, whatever. But God says, you made me throw up, man. Hmm. Sardis is like the sinking ship ready to die. Therefore, they are called to take prompt and strong measures. Notice the fact of the Reformation and much of the information is just an eye-opener. On October 31st, 1517, Luther lashed out with his 95 theses against Rome and posted them on the University Church at the door of Wittenberg. This event that prompted Luther's 95 theses was, was due to a man whose name was Tessel, who went around selling indulgences, you know, selling indulgences where the Catholic Church says you can give money and your sins can be forgiven and those dead loved ones can be taken out of purgatory. Tessel's uh, sermons explain, among other things, that he came with the authority of the Apostle Peter and Paul 
and of the most holy pope with power to restore to the church in sacraments all who had sinned. Listen to him. I'm quoting him. I would not exchange my privilege, said he, with St. Peter in heaven, for I have saved more souls with my indulgences than he with his sermons. The very moment that the money clings against the bottom of the chest, the soul escapes from purgatory and flies into heaven. Blasphemous. This still goes on in the Roman church. Remember high mass, low mass? People have mass for their dead loved ones. Nothing you can do for them. What deception. From 1512 to 1517, Luther had been engaged chiefly in teaching and preaching, but the, this aspect of his life's work destined to change most radically. Luther's 95 theses were the outcome of this man, and uh, he wanted to go purely to the gospel. He had been turned around by Galatians, the just shall live by faith. They had not long to wait for in August 1518, Luther was cited to appear uh, in Rome within 60 days. For three successive days, October 12 to the 14th in 1518, the reformers appealed at Augsburg before the Italian cardinal Cajetan. This ecclesiastic declared that the Catholic Church is the bond slave of the Pope. Luther gave a twofold reply. They are as follows. One, Holy Scripture is an authority superior to the Pope's. Oops. Second, that faith in Christ alone for salvation is necessary for doctrine, not the dogmas of the Catholic Church. Pretty clear. From 1520 to 1522, the battle raged furiously, and on June 15, 1520, Pope Leo issued a bull. For lack of better words, he's pretty accurate. Being thus influenced by Cardinal Cajetan and Dr. Ed, this document was a kind of running comment on the principal work of Luther. It contained 40 criticisms, and in these it condemned the Reformers' 95 teaching. He was reminded that he still had time to retract, burn his writings, and return to the Holy Mother Church. Dr. Luther gathered together the professors and the students of the university in the presence of an immense concourse of spectators of rank and age, courageously committed to the flames, the papal bull, and he wrote three books. Great. That was God's grace over Luther's life. God was in control. The faults of the Reformation were two. First, Luther sought approval of political leaders because of the state church in Germany, the Lutheran church. And whenever that happens, personal relationship with Christ is in danger. Remember, Constantine married the church of the world. Luther did the same thing. It appealed to the political leaders, made a state church, just killed it. He didn't change all the traditions and the teachings of the Roman church. He failed to worship completely in spirit and in truth, as Jesus said to the woman of Samaria in John 4, 24. Infant baptism and sprinkling was still held as part of salvation. Um, rituals were held on to. Some elements of sacraments were carried over. Uh, they became the state church in Germany. Prophecies was ignored altogether. So the reproof to Sardis or the Protestant Reformation is that they did not follow through the way they should have. Today, the Lutheran church in Germany is dead. Sweden, Denmark, Norway, 
Very small percentage go to church, and those that do, they're looking to the past. It's dead orthodoxy. And in the United States, it's no different, though there are different divisions of that. They became denominations with ceremony, form, dead orthodoxy. And so many people today are guilty of this very same thing. They use the word of God to modify, improvise their religion or their beliefs, their opinions, to live comfortably. Others never truly give God full obedience in their lives. They don't get grounded, so they're living carnally as a bad example. They're not truly committed to Christ completely. This goes on and on and on, people. This letter is addressed to you and me. Notice in verse 3, the church is encouraged to remember how she had received and heard. Jesus declared that she had received and heard the gospel of Christ. Her privilege was to have received the scriptures, which brought about great responsibility. She was to remember. Remember. Her personal responsibility, having heard, demanded accountability. The book of Hebrews, the author reminds us, Jews, don't go back. Remember, you accepted Christ. Don't go back to the animal sacrifice. It's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God. There's no atonement under the, the blood of animals. It's got to be Christ. There's no atonement in ritualism and nothing else. Not ceremony, but Christ. Both of these things are emphasized by the word how. Underline that. How. They had no excuse for deviating and for the lack of complete exit from the Roman church. Remember how you heard. You heard the truth. You received the gospel. The scriptures are full of exhortations and commands for us as believers to remember and to meditate. Joshua 1.8, before they go into the land, meditate upon the word of God day and night. Then you should be prosperous and have good success. Peter puts his, his readers in remembrance, though they already knew the truth. In 1 Peter 1, 12 through 13. We're to remember that we were dead in trespasses and sins, but God changed as Ephesians 2, 1. We were dead. We're to remember our creator in the days of our youth, Ecclesiastes 12, 1, because one day we'll give account for all of our sins. And when we get to be old, there will be no pleasure in those days if we don't walk with God. Very clear. We're to remember the mercies of God in Psalm 106, 7. We're to remember that you never leave us nor forsake us, Hebrews 13, 5. It's we who leave him. We're to remember his former works in Psalm 77, 11, all that he's done for us. We're to remember his promises and his warnings, even as Romans eleven twenty two, and as Moses warned all of Israel before they went in. We're to remember. Notice the church is encouraged to hold fast and repent then. They were to hold fast, which means to guard from loss or injury, a present imperative command. It's found also in verse 8 and verse 10. Sardis was not holding to the things of Christ, but allowing them to slip away. We're to contend for the faith once delivered to the saints, Jude 3 says. We are to hold fast to the form of sound doctrine, 2 Timothy 1.13 says. We are to be faithful soldiers in warfare, 2 Timothy 3.4. We are to keep ourselves pure, 1 Timothy 5.22. And so they were to repent. Metanao, which means to change your mind. Their only hope in repentance, that's it. Their only hope is in repentance, a change of mind 
so that they depend on the Holy Spirit to do the work in the church, to enlighten their eyes, and to have the gospel restored. That is the only way out. Sardis had no outward marks of blasphemy, but rather of gradual dying by letting the power and the word to slip away. Not depending on the spirit of God and the word. The Protestant movement has become a mere name in many instances. Majority of Protestant denominations and ministers don't believe in the virgin birth. They don't believe in the infallibility of the scriptures. They teach neo-orthodox. It's neither neo nor orthodox. Many don't believe in the literal second coming, the return of Christ. How do we keep from falling into the same pit? Remain watching, strengthening, holding fast, and repenting. That's how. Notice in the latter part of verse 3, the church is encouraged to pay heed to the warnings of watching. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come as a thief. The metaphor is used of both the rapture and the second coming, but clearly this is not the bride of Christ. They would not know what hour he would come upon them suddenly for judgment, as history reveals. The imagery of the thief is very significant regarding Sardis. Twice the city was besieged by Cyrus the Persian and Antiochus the Great. Though the city was built on a hill surrounded by the cliff, the sides of the river, the moat, and all that, a reward was proclaimed by Cyrus, the Persian king, that any soldier who would gain entry to the city... He would give great reward. And so the soldier watched the Sardinian uh, soldier as he was careless. His helmet fell off and it went down the ravine. And he hid and he watched the soldier come down a certain passage to retrieve his helmet. Not watching, he gave the way of entry to the city. How fitting. Watch. The second one was Antiochus Epiphany or Antiochus the Great, which also a soldier named Lagoras took a group of men and scaled up the city. Now the first one with Cyrus, the centurion was sleeping. The second one with Antiochus, there was no centurion there. Both not watching. They were broken into. Many people aren't watching. They're not looking. They're just careless. They're just indifferent. They're just, ah, it'll all work out. Well, it'll work out, but not quite the way you think. This was the exhortation of Sardis. Now notice he finishes with the application like all churches. Verse 5 and 6. In verse 5, the declaration is an invitation with promise of reward. The one to receive the reward is the overcomer, as in all the other messages of the churches. In the first three, this came after the call to hear. Thyatira and Sardis, it comes before. It is a timeless promise to all. It is the one to whom abides in Christ Jesus, John 15. It is the one who depends on the faith of Christ to overcome the world, 1 John 5, 4, and 5. I've repeated this in every church. You should know it by now. The way out is always the same. Notice the person who will reward once again is Jesus, I. The Lord will do three things for the individual. Verse 5, first the overcomer will be clothed with white garments. It speaks of God's righteousness that every believer is justified by the blood of the Lamb. Revelations 4, 4, 6, 11, 7, 9, 7, 13, 19, 8, 19, 14. White garments by His blood. White represents purity, spotless. It's the wedding garment of the bride based on the righteousness of Jesus Christ, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. 
Notice second, the overcomer's name will not be blotted of the book of life. A double negative for a positive emphasis. The book of life is found in various places in Scripture. Exodus 32, 32 is the first mention. And about five or six times in the book of Revelation. Book of life. The book of life is apparently the one where all the names of who will be saved, the living, will be inscribed, not the dead. The concept of being blotted out of the book of life has troubled some people. Even as predestination and free will has caused many to err, going to one extreme or the other. The allusion is to the wool industry of Sardis regarding those citizens whose names were removed from the public list if they approached the God, their gods in garments that were soiled or stained, or if they were convicted of a crime. Therefore, this statement is very appropriate, isn't it? The scriptures tell us that God knows who are his. 2 Timothy 2.19, Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands, having this seal, the Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. You say, oh, oh, you worried about it? Then depart from iniquity. You'll know you're his. Real simple. Depart from iniquity. Abide in him. The problem with our human reasoning and understanding, we see some backslide, we see some walk away, but God knows all. Don't worry about it. You abide. The book of life is for all who God created. For he died for all, yet only those who come, live, and abide in faith will be left in the book of life. Jesus will say to some in that day, I never knew you, Matthew 7, 23. Notice the third thing. The overcomer, he will confess before his father and before the angels his name. The word confess is a strong word for saying the same thing. It's a court, before a court, making confession, Philippians 2.11. They're the words of Jesus in Matthew 10.32. If you confess me before man, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. And so we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth, Romans 10.9 and 10. Notice the declaration is an invitation to everyone. There must be a willingness to listen. If you find yourself as an individual to a church like that, listen. There's a sense of responsibility, accountability for what you hear. There is a sense of culpability if you don't take the way out of repentance. He who has an ear, they're the words of Jesus, the words of the Spirit. They are one. And the declaration is an invitation to obey what the Spirit says to the churches. Hear, now respond. This was the declaration to Sardis. When you are in the snow and you are lost and attempting to survive, you must keep awake so you don't fall asleep and die. You must maintain that little life you have by staying awake. This was Sardis. How about you? Are you sleeping? Remember to depend on the Holy Spirit for your life, not merely a mechanical ritual or dead orthodoxy. Remember how you have received and heard and repent. Remember if you do not repent, you will not walk in white and your name will not be written in the book of life. That's the bottom line. The message of the Church of Sardis is to not be deceived by her outward appearance, but to repent. The message speaks of a local church in John's day. The message speaks about a historical period of time, 1500 to 1750 AD. The message speaks about a type of church that can exist throughout the church age. The message speaks about a type of Christian 
in churches today. We can take the test. If we find ourselves there, let's turn. He is willing and able to make us new. Pastor Xavier Reese closes with a clarion call to get the church back to the Bible. And you can request a copy of today's essential study, The Dead Church Sardis. It's available for just $4 on CD. And this message also has what Pastor Xavier talked about the last time we were together. So the title to ask for once again is The Dead Church Sardis. Or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And it's important that you include the call letters of this station when you contact us. Well, be sure and tune in next time as Pastor Xavier Reese brings us more simple truths from the Word of God as we continue through the book of Revelation. Hope to see you then. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 